I'll be reading this morning um, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. I keep asking God, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Good morning. Well, we've been, over the last four weeks, looking at the first 14 verses of the book of Ephesians. And we've looked over those four weeks, especially at verses 3 through 14, that enumerate the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Incredible. And Paul is so excited about it, he can hardly stand it. He keeps jumping out of his chair. He can't finish his sentence. It's one huge run-on sentence. I'm sure he would have gotten a D- in 8th grade English for what he wrote. And yet it's incredible, incredible truth. He's described for us how we've been chosen by God. We've been adopted into his family. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We've had his grace lavished upon us. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit and on and on. All the amazing things that He's given us in Him, in Him, in Him, in Christ. What an amazing, amazing list of spiritual blessings. It's like someone coming and saying, guess what? I have put a billion dollars for you in the bank. You've got a billion dollars. I mean, that would be exciting, right? Wow! I've got access to a billion dollars, all the resources I could ever need, and far more than that. How exciting. But then we go home and we have to change diapers, clean the house, go to work, put gas in the car, change a flat tire, buy new tires. Deal with that grumpy boss. Deal with our own sinful fantasies and the struggles of trying to live life here and the realities of life. And it can feel like, well, so what? I've got a billion dollars in the bank, but I don't have an ATM card to get it out. I don't have a checkbook. I don't know how to write a check to get it. How do I actually use those spiritual blessings in my life, day by day? How can this be a reality? The passage says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And it's easy to feel like, well, great, they're in the heavenly realms, (laughs) but I'm here on earth. So how does that really help me here? How does it make a difference in my life here? Well, the Apostle Paul knows that struggle. God understands that struggle for us. And that's why in the rest of chapter 1, verse 15 through 23, Paul turns to prayer. 
because he knows for our lives to connect, for us to begin to draw on that billion dollars, for us to have those spiritual blessings make a difference in our life here, God has to do something. So he prays for God to do something. He turns to prayer. You see, Paul understands and God understands that the longest journey that some of us have to make is the dis 12 inches from our head to our heart. We may know things up here, but to have it enter our hearts in a way where it really changes the way we live is a huge journey. One that God must help us make. So over the next two weeks, we will be looking at this prayer of Paul to help us understand what it means to live, actually live in the reality of all those spiritual blessings that God has granted to us in Christ. How to make them more real in our lives. Today, we'll just be looking at verses 15 through 17, three verses where Paul models for us and shows us three keys, if you will, that open the safe deposit box that gives us access to those billion dollars of spiritual blessings. What do those keys allow us to do? If you want a summary of everything we're going to be talking about this morning, those keys allow us to stay connected. Stay connected with our Heavenly Father. Let me pray and then let's dig into this together. Lord, thank you that you have made yourself available to us. Thanks for all the spiritual blessings you've given us, but Lord, you know the struggle of a living life in this world. You walked on earth, Jesus. You know how hard it can be to live in the reality of that. So use your word today by the power of your spirit to help us learn how to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been interesting to me that one of the most life-changing developments in our culture in the last few years, very recent developments, is the whole development of a, the social network. Okay, the social network. For our, we, most of us carry cell phones. We can be almost anywhere and connect with almost anyone immediately through our cell phones. There's this constant connection in this social network, this amazing phenomenon where people can stay connected all the time. Uh, there's Facebook. Many of you are on Facebook. There's over 500 million users of Facebook now in the world. 70% of them are not even in the U.S. People all over the world are staying connected through Facebook. The average user of Facebook throughout the world has 130 friends. I think the average in the U.S. is something more like 800, I think I read at one point. 800 people you're trying to keep contact with <laughs> all the time. My wife recently got a Facebook, I don't know what you call it, hit or whatever, from someone who said, uh, are you the friend from fourth grade that I haven't heard from or seen, had any contact with since then? It was a friend from fourth grade who some have found her on Facebook. There's Twitter. 
There's now over 200 million registered users of Twitter. They did their own survey of what was the content of people's Twitters. You know this where it, it's brief. Uh, you can sign up if you want to find out what somebody's thinking, famous person or whatever. There's, so there's over 200 million registered users. They analyzed what the largest category of the content of these Twitters, whatever you call them. You can tell I'm not real good at this stuff. <laughs> Tweets. Ah, thank you. Somebody, thank you. By their own definition, the largest category was pointless babble. <laughs> I just had oatmeal for breakfast. 20,000 people go, wow, they just had oatmeal for breakfast. Look at the tweet I got. Pointless babble. The person who has the most people listening in. Seven million people, seven million followers listening in to what she tweets is Lady Gaga. <laughs> Wild, huh? Pointless babble. Reminds me of the Tower of Babel when God divided all the nations. But we're trying to reconnect, right? He made languages and we're trying to stay connected all the time. We heard at the staff retreat, this, or staff meeting this week, when the pastoral staff got together, that there's an upcoming merger of YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook planned. It's going to be called YouTwitface. <laughs> as far as I know, the information's accurate, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> There's email, there's blogs, there's texting. People text constantly. In a recent month, I had 17 texts sent and received in the whole month. My teenage son had over 6,000. Some people have 10 to 12,000. I mean, that's three to 400 a day. You've got to be constantly texting. Your thumbs have to be hurting after a while. And there's other social networking sites. I, I just give you all this because this is a phenomenon in our culture that is expanding like crazy. But what I see in it is this. People are starving for intimacy. They're starving for connection. They're starving for relationship. We live in isolated houses. Drive to work in isolated cars. Work in isolated cubicles. And then we spend our time on the computer trying to connect with people because we're so lonely, starving for connection. Trying to use technology to connect with people. And it's just superficial. But it reflects something. It reflects the drive in every human heart every human heart for relationship and in particular for relationship with God, for connection with Him because no human heart is satisfied. Every human heart is restless, Augustine said, until it rests in Thee. We're built for relationship with Him and yet we're on this technology trying to connect with people thinking that's going to do it. No. Real connection with people can only grow out of a real connection with God. That's the place to begin.
So, in light of all this, these spiritual blessings, this ache in our hearts, the, the real key is how do we connect with God in a way that will allow us to find life, that will allow us to truly tap into those spiritual blessings, our billion dollars bank account that he has placed there for us. How do we do that? How can we tap in so we can become whole human beings? We can't use the internet or text him. So how do we do it? Well, I think there's three keys I want to talk about that open that safe deposit box. The first one, you could have guessed, but its key is prayer. In this passage, Paul prays. He models for us a connection with God. Prayer is key, one of the great keys for entering the heavenly realms and having access to all those spiritual blessings is prayer. Now, I know, I get it, the minute we start talking about prayer, we all feel guilty. I know I don't pray enough. I know I should pray more, but gosh, when I sit down and try to pray, it feels like there's just a glass ceiling and I'm not getting through and... And my mind wanders to other things and I can't even hardly pray for a couple minutes or three minutes or whatever. It's hard. We all feel bad that we don't pray enough, okay? Let's just admit that. But I think part of the problem is we're thinking of prayer wrongly. We're thinking of it as sort of this formal activity that I need to do, get out my list, pray through my list to somehow... Connect with God somehow, some way. It's tough. But see, I think, I, I think the prayer is meant to be so much more than that. It's a living relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's an ongoing, intimate relationship. Think of it less like something formal than, and more like two lovers who are so excited about communicating everything with one another that they just can't wait to talk about what's going on. That's what prayer is meant to be, this intimate, the most intimate relationship in our lives. That we connect with our Heavenly Father just like you would with a great friend or lover you're hanging out with. It's helped me just in these last few years to start every morning, first thing, Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And then just start thinking about them and what I appreciate about them and delight in about them. And it's amazing how you can get caught up in that when you begin to see it as a real relationship. It's really helped me. It may help you to just see our Heavenly Father, the Lord, as real, personal, and folks, I don't, we take this for granted, this incredible privilege we have of being able to talk personally and intimately with the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, to just go to him any moment, any time, and he's there. Whether you feel close to him or not, he's there, and you have access to the God of the universe. I got on the internet this week and I was looking because I was thinking about prayer and 
how different cultures and religions pray. And I pulled off of the internet the basics of the Muslim's prayer. This is a guide for prayer. Someone who is a Muslim wants to pray. Remember, Muslims pray five times a day. 36 pages. 11 pages on how to prepare before you can ever pray. There's certain washings you have to go through. There's certain attitudes you have to go through. You have to do all this. 11 pages before you can even begin to pray. Then there's 10 pages on the right way to pray, and it has to do with how you're facing and how you're kneeling. There's, if you want to see, there's drawings in here on how you have to sit. There are all kinds of things, how you stand as part of the prayers, and on and on. There's so much detail here to be able to come to God at all. And then the prayers are given, and they're very ritualistic and very formal. Let me just read part of it. Now, this would be given in Arabic, but here's a translation. The blessed salutations, the five prayers, and the good deeds are all owned by Allah. O prophet of Allah, may the safety from sickness and the mercy of Allah and his blessings be upon you speaking to Muhammad, may safety be upon us and upon the righteous slaves of Allah. I profess that no one is God but Allah, and I profess that Muhammad is the prophet of Allah. And it goes on and on and on. And yet we have free access to him any moment. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray. And I think, you know, Jewish prayers had developed a pretty pretty uh, developed, intricate ritual by this time. And I think the disciples were thinking, give us the 36 pages, Jesus, so we can pray in the right way. We want to do it right so we can have access to God. Here's what Jesus said. This is in the message, so it's in contemporary words, but this is what Jesus said. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. <laughs> They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply, like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as it is above in heaven, so here on earth. God, keep us alive with three square meals. <laughs> keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Now think about what Jesus is saying in that prayer. He's saying, disciples, it's not a bunch of formulas ritual. It's simply talking to your Heavenly Father about everything in life. It's focusing on who He is and it's talking about your needs. Uh, I need help dealing with temptation. I need help learning to forgive other people. I need food today. <laughs> I, uh, and it's just talking to Him in a relational, personal way. Do you realize what a privilege we have to be able to have that kind of contact with the living God? 
Prayer is only partly asking God for things. It's far more a relationship with Him where you're learning to be intimate with Him just like you would get to know another person. It's staying connected with Him like you would with your social network, only more so. Constantly connected with Him. He's always available. You don't have to log on. (laughs) He's there. Formal prayer time is good. We're told to go in our prayer closet, but, but it's meant to be ongoing, praying without ceasing, just part of your natural flow of life as you're going into a meeting, as you're driving down the road, as you're talking to someone or whatever, that you have the sense that God's there and you're in communication, connected, online with Him all the time. That's the kind of prayer that allows us to have access to the spiritual blessings that he offers to us all the time. The second key that I see in this passage, again, Paul models for us, is thankfulness. Thankfulness. Verse 15 and 16 says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you. He doesn't cease giving thanks for them. It suggests, just a little aside here, that he didn't know them very well. Now, we looked in the book of Acts how Paul went to Ephesus. He stayed three years and trained up the church. But he's saying here, I've heard about these things of you. So that's why most scholars think the book of Ephesians wasn't written just to the church in Ephesus. It was written to all the surrounding churches as well. It's a circular letter meant for many. And he doesn't know them well, but I'm sure he's heard about them. It says you've heard about your faith and love. And I'm sure he's heard some negative things that are going on in those churches. But notice what he focuses on. I never stop giving thanks for you. I've heard there's evidence that God's at work in you. And that's fabulous. And I am so thankful for what's going on. Now, this church in Revelation 2, the church at Ephesus, is rebuked for having lost their first love 30 years later. But at this point, even though there's these problems and roots of problems, he says, I never stop giving thanks. I am so excited. And elsewhere, throughout his writings, Paul is constantly going back to thankfulness. Be thankful. Be thankful. Two other times in this book of Ephesus or Ephesians, he goes to that. In chapter 5, verse 4, he says, There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. He says, don't get caught up in worldly grumbling and coarse stuff that just, uh, just tears down the dignity of God in people. Instead, give thanks for what God's doing in their lives, for them being made in the image of God. Chapter 5, verse 20 says this. He begins in 18. It says, Don't get drunk with wine, for that's wasteful, but be filled with the Spirit. He explains some things about being filled with the Spirit. In verse 20, he says, This is evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. (laughs) Paul's constantly exhorting us throughout his writings. Be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. 
Let this be a spiritual discipline you develop in your life, a thankful heart, an attitude of gratitude, if you will. Why is that so important to Paul? Why is it so important to our Lord? Well, because what keeps us from tapping into those spiritual blessings, from staying connected with God often, is our grumbling, our complaining. God, you haven't given me what I thought I should have. God, life's harder than I thought. People aren't treating me the way I want. And when we focus on those things, it creates this huge glass bubble and we feel so disconnected with, from God. And we don't trust Him. We don't walk with Him. Resentment, grumbling, complaining is one of those things that cuts off our access to those spiritual blessings so we don't experience the reality of them in our lives. But it's thankfulness that opens the door to Him. When we focus on the fact that God's in control and no matter what we're going through, He's using it for good. He's promised to bless it. Every negative thing even in our lives is just another opportunity for God to work out His will in our lives in another amazing way. It's not saying that suffering feels good, but it's saying that there's a deeper purpose that God is working out in suffering and so I can be thankful even for suffering. Thankfulness helps us know that God is good. Thankfulness opens the door to the access of spiritual blessing, staying connected with Him. That's why thankfulness is so important. But learning to be thankful in the midst of everything is hard, right? It's hard. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a choice we make to focus on Him and be thankful for whatever He brings in our lives. Many of you know the name Johnny Erickson Tada. You may have read some of her books, some pretty excellent books. This is an article in Christianity Today from this past week that says this, Johnny Erickson Tada might be mistaken for a modern-day Job, the disabilities advocate was severely paralyzed in a diving accident at age 17. For the past 10 years, she has endured chronic pain, terrible pain. Now, at age 60, she confronts breast cancer. She's been through a lot. Sounding upbeat and confident after surgery, (laughs) she spoke with Christianity Today about her latest book, a place of healing, wrestling with the mysteries of suffering, pain, and God's sovereignty. I commend that book to you, actually. A place of healing, wrestling with the mysteries of suffering, pain, and God's sovereignty. She says, In a way, I've been drawn closer to the Savior, even with this breast cancer. There are things about his character that I wasn't seeing a year ago, or even six months ago. She goes on having a thankful attitude even in the midst of what she faces. And that's freed her up in her life to have access to the spiritual blessings that God offers to all of us. If she can be thankful, I think we can. It's a discipline in our lives along with prayer that opens the door for us to have access to the heavenly blessings that God wants us to live in even here on earth. So let me exhort you 
Stop grumbling. I'm exhorting myself to. Stop complaining. Choose to be thankful. The third key that opens the safe deposit box to what God wants to give us, these spiritual blessings, is knowing God. And that's what Paul goes on to pray for in this passage. I pray that the God, verse 17, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Where? In the knowledge of Him. In knowing Him. What gives us these spiritual blessings? Here he talks about specifically wisdom and revelation. Knowing Him. Knowing Him is one of the keys to knowing His spiritual blessings. Experience life. There is no substitute for having a relationship where we are seeking to know Him better and better. The more we truly know Him, the more we're able to live in the reality of who He is and experience what Jesus calls eternal life. In the book of John, as He's praying, the night before He went to the cross, He said this, chapter 17 of John, verse 3. John 17:3. This is eternal life, Jesus prays to the Father, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. When you hear eternal life, think spiritual blessings. Eternal life is not just something in the future. It's now. It's the spiritual blessings that he offers us now. And this is eternal life, Jesus says, knowing God and the Son, the Father and the Son. And he says, I pray that God may give you a spirit, an internal reality. Again, not just head knowledge about who God is. We all know kind of who Barack Obama is. We have head knowledge. Do we know him personally? No. But God wants us to know him personally, have a spirit, have a heart, have an intimate relationship just like you'd have with your best friend, with a lover, with two newlyweds that are delighted in being together. It's that delight, it's that intimacy, it's that closeness and that desire to know one another more. Knowing him is the key to life, folks, period. Fostering that connected relationship constantly with him through prayer, through thankfulness, is the key to life. It's the key to having access to these spiritual blessings. And how do we need to know him? Well, Paul describes him in these verses as the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying there? That we can know God in the same way Jesus knows his Father. If you read through the Gospels, it's amazing the way Jesus had this intimate relationship. I don't do anything apart from my Father. I and the Father are one. We're connected. We're logged on all the time. He was constantly going away from the disciples and the work to spend time with his heavenly Father, to have intimacy, to pray, to focus on him. Paul says, know God in the same way. You can't. And then he describes him as the glorious Father or the Father of glory in this verse. To know him as a father, that intimate one, the one who has taken responsibility for your life. Like a father who's taken responsibility for their child to care for them because he loves them dearly. Your heavenly father cares for you. 
far more than the birds of the air or the flowers of the field. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. Rest in your Father's care. Know Him as your Father. But also know Him as glorious. Majestic, mighty, awesome, powerful, transcendent, wondrous, mighty, all-knowing, all-powerful. And if you do that, if you get to know Him for who He is, truly for who He is, the result, it says, that you'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is wisdom? I call it the moral skill of living life. Wisdom isn't knowledge. It's the application of knowledge. It's being able to make good choices in your life, the right choices, good choices that make a difference in life, being able to apply knowledge to life. James chapter 3 talks about it. I won't read it all, but he says, hey, the wisdom of earth includes bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, trying to up one up one another. I'm wiser than you, etc. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. You see, the wisdom that God offers us is wisdom that allows you to live life like Jesus. Live life with Jesus' life flowing through you. As you stay connected to Him, His life begins to flow through you and there's a gentleness and an ability to make the right choices in life. That's wisdom. And secondly, he says you'll receive revelation. What is revelation? It's where God reveals reality to you. We live in a world where no human being really sees reality very clearly. We're all looking at life through a fog. But how do we begin to see life realistically and truly as it really is? By knowing Him. <laughs> By knowing Him. Vern Lind, who's been going through this cancer and, and all, I, as I look at his life, what a, what a clear picture of reality in the midst of it. He's going through pain, but he sees God's hand in the bigger picture of it. He has wisdom and revelation in the midst of it. How? from knowing God well, from walking with Him intimately for years and years. Where does that kind of wisdom come from, that kind of revelation? I'm going to ask a trick question here. <laughs> does it come from knowing the Bible? No. No. You don't get wisdom for life and real revelation about reality from the Bible. Again, that's a bit of a trick question, right? There's a lot of people who know a lot more about the Bible than I do who have no wisdom because they don't know the God of the Bible. Where does wisdom and revelation come from? The ability to live life well? It comes from knowing the God of the Bible. The Bible is simply a tool to know Him. It's not an end in itself. So don't get confused just getting more Bible knowledge, but use the Bible to get to know Him. That's how you have access to the spiritual blessings. That's how you have access to life. God's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow! How amazing! We have a billion dollars in our bank account. How do we get access to that right here on earth and begin to live a life that is expressing the very life of God? 
prayer, intimate personal prayer, thankfulness, developing a discipline of thankfulness and seeking to know Him through the Word, through life. And the more you know Him, the more life you will experience. In other words, stay connected. (laughs) Let your social network be focused on Him first and foremost. Put your relationship with Him at the center of your social network (laughs) and you'll find yourself experiencing these spiritual blessings as never before. Let's pray. How amazing, Lord, all that you've given to us. The spiritual blessings, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Oh, Lord, help us to stay connected to you in a way where we begin to experience your very life in the midst of this everyday messy world in which we live. Help us to stay connected to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.